Hello, welcome to Back to Base. This is the official reaction podcast for SAS Who Dares Wins. I'm Andrea McLean and I'm heading to the studio where I've got a new batch of celeb guests and SAS insiders to talk to all about the latest episode of the show that leaves its contestants and probably its viewers feeling like they're on a tightrope. We're getting together to go over the most extreme moments of every episode and how even the most intense SAS exercises can be found in everyday environments. Hang on. So, this week I'm joined by a man who knows SAS training just slightly more than I do. You might know him from Made in Chelsea, but I know him as the guy who let me warm my hands in his armpits while we were in the show together. Sam Thompson will be here. SAS Who Dares Wins Dr. Sandeep Chohan will be checking in with us to give us the latest on how the recruits will be feeling. Plus, now that Mole DSJ has been outed, we've got him back on the show to tell us all about dishing the dirt on the dorm. And he'll be bringing Kirsty, one of the recruits he betrayed, with him. So fall in. Let's get back to base. Work together as a unit. Come on, person. You can do it. Be simple. You are going to suffer. Go! Move it! Move! Right, we have to say a big hello to Sam Thompson. Hello, Sam. Hello. I've missed you. Oh, my hands have missed your armpits. Well, my armpits have missed your hands. To be fair, <laughs> that your hands are probably the most beautiful thing that I've ever had in between my betwixt my pits, I think. <laughs> Should we explain to people what that means? Yeah, it does sound weird, actually, if we don't. <laughs> um, basically, you and I took part in SAS Who Dares Wins in Chile. And it was chilly, so chilly, in fact, I got hypothermia and had to go home, which is why you very kindly let me warm your hands and well, your arms. They only gave us a tiny little fire, and that wasn't even for us. That was just to warm the clothes. Yeah. Because you know you have that, like, the wet kit and the dry kit. Yes. But I mean... Which became a 100% damp kit. Well, they're just all wet. There's, there is no wet kit and a dry kit, which, which I found very strange. I was like, this can't be right. <laughs> then you actually got hypothermia. That's nuts. And disappeared. I forgot about that. That's after we did the, um, the abseiling down mm. the rock, isn't it? Abseiling face first yeah. down a rock in sleet and wind and everything else. Um, obviously, the weather was really challenging when we were out in, in the Andes. What are you making of this series and the weather that the recruits are experiencing? It's, it looks tough. I'm going to be honest with you. When I was watching this last episode, I know how phys physically demanding it is. But to have that next to sleet it literally was sleet and I, and I and I could see even the hardest of 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 guys and girls there who were like at the top of their group just like hating every second of it and and I really do believe there is nothing worse than being uncomfortable yeah genuinely just like when you cannot get warm that that that's the time where you really in my mind I always despair yeah so um yeah it looked really really tough because for us we it didn't really rain that much it was just it was just incredibly cold yeah but to add sort of wind chill and and really cold rain would just kind of maybe even push me over the edge do you think it would be the the weather that would make you want to VW yes I think so because Look, when I started SAS, I didn't even do any training. I only got told a week before I started. So I was so unfit. And basically, SAS is, is a, it's a, a glorified fitness test times people throwing, like shouting in your face. And, you know, I, I, get, I got through the fitness stuff, even though, like, albeit I was always last. It was more so just always being cold. Yeah. Your fingers are always cold you are never rested you just do not sleep because you watch so I watched the last episode right and they were in bed for 30 minutes and then Ant comes in and goes no we're going on to the parade square yeah. now people watching you haven't which is obviously 99.9% .9 of the country you haven't participated in it don't understand how long you are in that parade square because they can only show 45 minutes because that's yeah. that's with, with adverts right yeah we are literally on that well they were on that parade square no doubt for about six hours just holding barrels over their head in 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 freezing cold conditions i literally look at their faces and i go oh god i do not envy you <laughs> how do you think they're coping not just obviously we talked about mm. the weather but with the, the the way that they're being shouted at and talked down to and tested, psychologically mm. tested, because that was something you really struggled with. Yeah. You couldn't keep your mouth shut. Yeah, I, I really couldn't. But you know what? I was a lot more, I think, immature than a lot of the recruits now. I think the recruits here, have they've all 
um, signed up to this. They know exactly what it is. They're clearly fans of the show. I'd never watched it before. So they they know what they're getting into. And this is a life experience. People would pay hundreds of thousands of pounds to be to get put through this course. And um, and I think when these guys sign up for it, they, they're already in the mental place where they're always going to listen to the DS. Yeah. I didn't have a clue. I was literally rocking up going, oh, I've actually met Jason Fox before. He's a legend. Oh, wow. No, he's not. <laughs> I'm not supposed to know that. Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. I literally, I used to call him Foxy and he'd be like, don't ever call me Foxy again. It's DS. And I was like, oh my God, sorry, staff. <laughs> Horrible. But yeah, I think they're all taking it really, really well. I yeah. think that... I think they're just trying to get by. I think that's all it is. Mm. And I think at that point, because I was only actually really mouthy at the start because you have energy to be mouthy. Yeah. And then I think when you hit like the later episodes, you're just so tired that you're just, you're not, I, I, you just never listen at the end. You're, they're, they're shouting at you. You're just like, oh, whatever, I, I don't even care. I just need to get through this. Mm-hmm. So I imagine that's probably where they're at right now because they're getting whittled down quick. They are. To be honest, I think the fact that they're having to cull people is a really great testament to how strong they've been mm-hmm. because so few people are VWing. Um, how were you when you got back from SAS? How did it affect you? Well, do you know what? So I, when I got immediately got back, I went straight back to work. Uh, and I think what happened is I I, I realised now that I, I now go and see a... Um, um, a therapist, basically, and, and I think what I do is after Chile, it was such an experience for me um, that I put a lot of it into the back of my mind and I just kind of locked it away, and I'm quite good at that. And uh, got home, got dumped on TV, and that, that, was, that was really tough and I had a breakdown, actually, uh, sort of around Christmas last year. Uh, left Made in Chelsea, couldn't do anymore, and I think that SAS had a huge, huge part to play in just... It, it it's it's so hard on your head <laughs> it's, it, and it te- it's amazing it teaches you so much but I think what I did was I think I, was, I thought I was stronger than I am mentally and so I think I just bottled it all up went I can handle this it's fine it's just another TV show and uh, and then ooh, about a month later I realised it wasn't <laughs> so that's how I handled it when I got back and how are you now? great absolutely brilliant I've got to say um, what what, what SAS did for me more than anything was taught me so much about what it is to be a man in terms of just an adult, right? So for, for me, it's, uh, it's structure. I now have structure to my life. For me, it's knowing even if I think something, just don't say it all the time. And, and I know these sounds like, sound like really easy things to learn, but these have always been my biggest character flaws that I've never really addressed. And watching SAS was really tough. Well, you you mentioned it actually when you were talking just then about the fact that uh, the recruits were woken up with only 30 minutes sleep and they were meant to get up at at, at one o'clock. This was Jay the Mole, Mm. his first sort of outing as DS. I think that he almost had to play the role so he knew that he so he'd almost, he'd been a comrade for so long that I think he needed to sort of lay down the law a bit and then be like I'm not one of you no hell no I, I'm one of these guys and I've been through 10 years I think it was of um of special forces and I think he almost had to go extra hard but although I, I'm, I've got to say and I know we're going to talk about it in a little bit but when when Kirsty fainted and he was immediately there and listening to her breath and helping her. And, and, and it, there's something to be said for it where they will push you so hard, but you don't want to be in anyone else's hands when something goes wrong. Because, my God, they, they can handle pressure like you wouldn't believe. And it was just so nice to see that kind of... They'll push you until they break you, but once you are broken, they're, you know, they're there for you. There's an outstretched arm. Yeah, and I love that. Yeah. And he also said as well, when he was still being very brutal. And I agree with what you said, that he needed to show that I may have been your friend yesterday, but now I'm a DS. I completely agree with it as well. I think that when you're out, when you're doing things that you would never, ever, ever do, and you're faced with situations, for example, right, for me answering back, right, if I've ever done that to a mate or to even my parents or something like that, yeah, they'll have a go at me or whatever, but there's no harsh reality of it. Do you know what I mean? It's just, it is what it is. And, and yeah, you feel like a bit of a dick, but that, you know, you're never taught really that, that you just won't do that. When, when I was doing that to like Billy and he's like, you think you're funny to you, mate? And you're like, oh my God, I don't even know where I am right now. What the hell am I doing? But that's the kind of mirror I think that they mean where they go, this is actually 
yeah, this is it's not real life, but this is real. This is what you need to bring into your real life. And who are you as a person? Who do you want to be as a person? Because you can hide behind your your banter and your stupid chat, or you can try and grow up a little bit and uh, and, and and achieve your maximum potential. Because that's what it really is. Yeah, it's. This training is to make you the ultimate human being, almost, and and I love that, and and I think you can either, you can either sort of run with it, or you can hide away from it, and and if I'm honest with you, I would have loved to, I would love to do it again. I mean, I would never be able to, but I'd love to do it again because I feel like I'm in such a different place now that um, I've just made it all about myself again. Sorry. No, that's good. That's why you're here. That's why you're here. And I think that's a really interesting take on it because I think that there are, you could probably split the camp into 50-50 that half the recruits would go away thinking that was an incredible experience. I never, ever want to go through something like that again. And 50% would think, no, I'm going to go away, sort of gather myself and think, no, let me at it again. Mm. I know I can do it better. What would you, and you do? Uh, No, I'd never do it again. <laughs> <laughs> I, but I tell you what I'm so glad I did it mm. it changed my life doing SAS Who Dares Wins because I was the other way around to you my boxes were all closed and buried and put in a garden and planted on top of and not looked at and I went there and within 10 seconds those boxes flew open and everything that I had put away and not looked at was blasted out and it was by Billy really? and it was the look in his eye yeah it was the moment he whipped the bags off our heads and looked at us. Literally, the boxes went bing, 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 bing. <laughs> Ghosts <laughs> so, and ghouls come out of your mouth. Oh. It was Ghostbusters. It wasn't SAS. <laughs> um, what was interesting was uh, number 16, Oliver, mm. left the course. And I think he can be really proud of how far that he did. And there is no... There's no lack of respect, I think, to anybody who walks away when they feel like they've they've come as far as they can well, come. Absolutely, but also anyone who even takes part, it's not for the faint-hearted. Like even if you walk, even if you walk in and do one session with these guys, they're trying to break you from the start. So yeah. you've got to have balls to even go there. And 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 I and I really I respect him for just actually being completely honest with himself because what you can do in 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 who dares wins is actually drag the way I know this as well you can you can drag the team down um if you're very very easily spotted as the weak link mm. right and you, the ds know that you're not cut out for this mm. um they will as you'll know they, they they'll make the other team work because of your mistakes or your lack of physicality or your lack of heart yeah. and you know if i went for example i forgot do you remember when i forgot to bring the the i said come come with your burgers with your burgers and he was like no i meant as you are and I'll, I'll never ever forget that and and i had to make <laughs> everyone do all those burpees and push-ups and stuff and yeah. i think that there is no shame in knowing your limitations and you're you're almost saving the others yeah. to go further. And I think it's definitely a cup half full scenario with him rather than, oh, I haven't made I it. I hope so. I hope so. Some of the tasks that the recruits had to do this week I thought were particularly tough. The the tightrope across the, <laughs> the ravine and the, the, the sea is sort of crashing and, and all this sort of thing. Yeah. How, how are you with heights? How do you think you would have done? Doesn't bother me, if I'm honest with you. It's, for me, that's fine. Uh... In my, I've never had a problem with 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 heights, and I saw Jay doing the, and even he was struggling a little bit, and I was like, well, none of them are going to be able to do it if he's falling off. Like he literally was going really slowly across the road. So I was like, well, if he's struggling that much, everyone else is going to really, really struggle. I was literally shouting at the telly. He must be thinking, don't mess this. Yeah, up. yeah, well, exactly. Don't mess this because up. if you screw it up, then everyone's going to be like, well, what, what kind of <laughs> SBS are you? But 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 uh, I I don't really mind heights. For me, it was always the physical. Yeah. aspects of things um because i trust billy i trust and i trust foxy i trust all of them yeah. um and ollie and 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 i and i trust that if i just face any fear i have they will make it work yeah and i never had a problem with that i had a problem with myself more than yeah. anything in terms of physical ability um and and that was and and my mental game was my mentality is pretty weak so that that was always my thing not not so much heights so what about obviously they then went straight to that to uh, the exercise Impossible. where the, yeah. really you couldn't have I, done that that is Back then, I think I would be different now, but back then that would have been literally my idea of hell because it's a team scenario. You're talking about the stretcher. where, yes. where yeah, it, It's a team environment 
And if and I hate more than anything letting the team down. That's actually why I VW'd because I just I I'm Victoria was getting taken out and hosed down and barked out by dogs. And I was like, I just can't keep because I kept on fidgeting. I couldn't stop. Um, and that would have been my my hell because one, I'm not very physically fit, so I would have literally just like probably had to stop a little bit and that would have caused my teammates to be annoyed at me that would have caused a rift that would have caused the the ds is to to jump on that because that's the kind of thing they yeah. look for and uh and yeah it's basically like a marathon but not you're not just the one who fails and 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 honestly talking about it now it just seems like oh it can't be that hard it's mentally it's so tough like being the one being the reason why your teammates are suffering it really really is and you touched on it earlier this is the point where Kirsty fainted yeah and she, she how many Birkins was she carrying she three like four, three four, more, four. More, more than AJ when I made her carry two tyres and two Birkins I think <laughs> <laughs> she fainted as well actually but she had she, she's small as well she's not she's not exactly big and she was getting screamed at and I don't actually rate that very much either I think there's a, a, a certain level um, of I don't mind people being leaders. I think that's great. I think you have to have leaders. But what I don't think is very much of a leadership quality, let's say, is when you're just permanently screaming with 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 no constructive criticism. Mm-hmm. It's like, slow down, do this, do that. It's like, oh my God, mate, do you, like she's got four Bergens on. Like, just allow her a little bit of leeway here. And if you're going to say something, you're going to have a go at it. At least make it constructive. Mm. And I feel like, I actually felt sorry for her because she was getting shouted at a lot. And... Um, Clearly, the strain was hard on her, and then bish bash bosh, she fainted. It was over. But yeah. she did amazingly well. Mm. I mean, apparently, it was an, an hour or so later, she absolutely smashed it, abseiling down the cliff. She did so well. I think just just anything to get off her legs, to be fair. <laughs> like, I think she's probably it's like, great. Oh, lovely. I can just fall. But she um, also, she. I mean, when she went down, I was like, I thought she had died. I'm not joking. Like, the, she literally went, I'm going to be sick. As you said, and she went, bark, and just hit the floor. And I've never seen a, a faint like that. It was actually quite scary to watch. And it it really does show you how this, it might be a TV show, but this thing aimed for the faint-hearted. Like, it is really, really, and this, she, I remember she was saying, you know, I do marathons and no, I go for a run. I don't mind if I'm sick when I train and stuff. She minded then. Like, there's a difference between training, but mm-hmm. still being in your control, and then nothing being in your control whatsoever in the Highlands of Scotland, getting shouted at with, with rains. Like, it's horrible. Horrible. She's an absolute Spartan. That is a good word. Spartan. Yeah. I like that. This week, Carla, I found incredibly emotional. Her story about... Mm. She became an, an Olympic athlete. She made it to the Beijing Beijing Olympics, and uh, she's a, a, a mother, a wife, and then discovered that she had breast cancer. Mm. The way she talked through her experience so eloquently, and I could see Billy. We've mentioned him yeah, quite a few the times. Hard man softened he up a little was bit there, melting. Yeah. L- listening to her. This is one of the most beautiful things about this series. I think is the fact that you're not just seeing. You know, members of the public trying to push themselves to extremes through their through the physical things that they're doing. We're hearing such incredible journeys of courage, people, whether it's someone's childhood and the difficult things that they've been through, or just the life experiences that that people had. And then there was the reactions that people had to the movies from home. Now, for, mm. for Carla, I cried watching mm. it. Just the fact that she got so much courage and strength after we we've heard her backstory from watching her yeah. her kids, you know, giving her support from home. But others, on the other hand, couldn't even look at the screen. They couldn't listen. How were you? Did you get to the point where you you had your, had your home video? For me, it was. I was. I, that's when I could tell I was in a state of shock through the whole thing because I was looking at my sister who's the closest person to me in my life and uh, she was saying all these things and and I kind of just went on autopilot because I, I was almost like I don't even have time to, if I know if I break here, I'm gone. Yeah. And I remember just being like almost putting up this emotional wall yeah. and just being like I actually can't, I don't want to feel there anything. And I remember just, just I saw one of the ladies put her fingers in her ears and that's when Aunt was like, I burn all my letters and stuff. Yeah. Um, and I what can, did you think about that <clears throat> when Aunt said that? I can understand why he would do that because it brings weakness and you're in an environment where you can't be weak. Yeah. You, you, They do not allow for weakness out do you there. Know what my first thought was, what? that's what I would do. 
What Vernon? I, and my yeah. husband looked at me and he went, "What? If I sent you a letter, you'd set it on fire." And I he said, "Yeah." He doesn't understand. That's I'd the, burn it. I wouldn't want to see it because you are so on the precipice at all times out there that even the slightest thing will just set you off. And I don't need to be seeing home right now. I need to just be getting through this. You've got to be almost a little bit selfish yeah. to yourself. Um, but then again, it can give you strength in a, in a completely different way that, that, you know, at the antithesis to what I was just saying, you know, if you see all your family and they're like, you can do this, you are stronger than you know, then it can also, you know, my sister actually likes to take the piss out of me a little bit. So maybe if she had turned around and be like, Sam, you are stronger than you know, and you could do this, then actually I probably would have been like, yeah, you know what, I can do this. But she was almost like, she kind of went down the other path. So it's her fault. <laughs> yeah, it's her fault, Louise. Come on, I could have, you know, what? I wouldn't have VW'd if my sister hadn't sent me such a toss message. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, James had a really interesting reaction to it because he'd said earlier that he doesn't feel a lot of emotion, that he feels dead inside a lot of the time. But can I just quickly... Yeah, yeah. Massive respect to him for that because a lot of people try and, try and mask that. Um, I know a lot of people who are narcissistic or this or that and or they, they there's something within them and and but they all everyone pretends because it's social norm to like to be the there's like a, an a, 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 an outline basically of the perfect human being and which i don't agree with at all but we're all taught that you have to be the most emotional you have to be the most like this most that you have to feel certain things and we're not all wired like that and and, and i i really respected him for that because you don't have to say that that's him literally that's a guy who has been true to himself being true to the reasons as to why he's turned up here and that's to find out what he's got inside and I really really respected him for saying that I hear you I, I also felt that he it's not that he's dead inside it's that he's numb because of everything that he's yeah. been through. And I think when you saw his reaction to when he, his mum sent the message and he couldn't he yeah. couldn't look, he, he was listening to what she was saying. He clearly loves her so dearly and so strongly and it meant so much, but he, he couldn't look at her. And I, I just felt you need a big squeeze and actually just keep going. You're yeah. doing amazingly, amazingly well. But I could understand he was, that was, that, that was an image of a man torn in that he was getting comfort from it, but it was don't, don't let your guard down because you need to keep going. And to finish it all off, Pav and Kirsty are told to leave. And can you believe it? The recruits are told, get ready because they are going to ramp it up tenfold. At that point, I think I would hold my hand up and go, do you know what? I think, I think I'm done. I, I think I'm done. But we're going to hear what uh, Kirsty had to say because she's going to be joining us in just a minute. Yeah, yeah. You awesome. can talk to her about keeling over. Now, what does it feel like to faint? <laughs> now it's time for our weekly visit from our favourite doctor, Dr. Sandeep Chohan, who sees all the recruits at their most physically and mentally vulnerable. Hello, Sandeep. How are you today? I'm very good, Andrea. I hope you're well. All good here. Now, uh, obviously, in this episode, you know, just when you thought you couldn't crank up the pressure anymore, it was an incredibly physical episode. Now, obviously, that in itself is very intense. The, the casualty situations in the show are all part of it. But Sandeep, can you tell me about any of the extreme casualty situations that you yourself have been part in and, and, and how you yourself had to apply yourself? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I've, I've done a lot of humanitarian aid work across the world, actually. So, um, unfortunately, I've seen quite a lot of death, and I've sort of seen a quite a lot of sickness and illness. I've worked in epidemic zones. I've worked in earthquake zones as well. For me, I think um, it, it really depends on the climate. You know, I've been on Everest, and you know, there's been casualties up there. I've been in deserts. I've been in the Arctic region. And every region has its own particular um, factors which can influence how things go and how quickly you need to get things out. What I learned, however, though, was you can only plan so much, um, but unfortunately, you do not always get help, right? So, yeah, it's, it's, it's physically very arduous and psychologically very challenging. Actually, I'll tell you something that was interesting. We had a casualty evacuation when we were in Vrasse. Um, when we're filming on the first night that we started. So it was about two o'clock in the morning and somebody had a heart attack. And uh, 
the whole medical team got together to evacuate them out. So unexpected can happen anywhere, really. Wow. So and this this wasn't necessarily part of the show. This was behind the scenes. Oh, absolutely. This was part of the scenes. I was on my way home, you know, after very long 18 yeah. hours. And then um, we got flagged out. A lot of England is quite rural and there is no medical care in these places. Mm-hmm. So um, everybody was involved in that. You know, we had the um, lifeboat out where they had to bring the ambulance over and then we got a helicopter and that I think it took about two hours and uh, altogether there's about 20 people involved there. Which just proves in itself that obviously we watch this episode and, you know, obviously in this instance they're pretending and people are pretending to be a casualty and they're, you know, being bumped along in stretchers, but it's preparing the recruits for real life situations not too dissimilar, but, you know, in a similar sort of vein to what you were just talking about there. Now, obviously, in the episode that uh, that viewers have just seen, we saw tightrope walks, the, the abseiling. But what seemed to me was the the hardest thing that the recruits had to go through was watching the clips of their loved ones. So do you think that extreme exhaustion, obviously, the elements that they've all been out in, do you think that plays a part in their extreme reactions to the, the videos that they saw? Actually, we're going through a very interesting point in the selection process at the moment because, you know, intuitively you'll think they're getting kind of grind, you know, you've got this grind going on and you'll be thinking that we're slowly wearing them down. But actually, you reach a point whereby it goes the other way and they've done all these extreme things. And one thing that they're gaining now is confidence. So you know, they're actually starting to believe in themselves. And so the physical tasks, not necessarily the ones that are going to start challenging them. It won't be so much the kind of lack of sleep and the lack of food. It won't be so much the complex challenges. It's more the emotional side that starts kicking in now. And I think, you know, as the DS have often said, when you're away, the last thing you want to do would be is be reminded of home, Mm. you know, and essentially that is a lot of weak point for people right and i think you know when you're looking at the group as we have now it's a very strong group we know physically they're very capable we know that mentally they're very capable as well so the next level in is actually going to be the emotional connection and that's why the ds want to see what happens when they press those buttons the more you go into the series the more you go into selection the more difficult it is to actually break them on the physical side of things. Right. It's going to be more emotional and psychological now. And what was interesting as well was the very, very different responses that the recruits had. Some literally blocked their eyes and ears. Others were just looking at the other side of the room. And while they were listening, they couldn't look at the screen. And yet others, Carla in particular, you could see her growing in strength just by seeing her kids, seeing her husband. And she seemed to come out of that even more stronger and even more committed. So what might work in terms of pressing a button of vulnerability for one absolutely won't work for another. So it's a really interesting experiment. Oh, absolutely. It's um, a lot of people do draw strength from their family, you know, and if you talk to people, um, they say they're doing it for the kids or they're doing it for their loved ones. A lot of guys, when they go overseas, you know, they're fighting for the guys next to them or the girl next to them. And they're fighting for what they consider part of their family, you know. And I think that, that that's why it's interesting seeing you know, how people react in different ways because they do draw strength from family, loved ones, community. And and actually it goes with what's happening here at the moment. And like I said, confidence is one of the things that's grown. But the other thing that's growing amongst each other is camaraderie. Yeah. And uh, people are kind of getting together. Once you're in a small group, you actually do become a part of a small family, yeah. you know, part of a community. And that's what they're drawing strength from as well. So, yeah, it's, it's an interesting and, and a valid point, actually. One of the things that was interesting in particular was the story of James and he was telling how the training is an opportunity for people to sort of understand who they are. How do you think that uh, some of the exercises that the the DSs have been putting the recruits through, how do you think that they go about doing that? You know, Jay himself said it's holding up a mirror. Yeah, this is it's, it's been interesting, actually, I'll, I'll be honest. I found it fascinating from a medical perspective that people will come um, onto the series and they will go through, you know, what is essentially a hell that we create for them um, to find themselves or to work through their psychological and emotional issues. And these are people that have never actually 
you know, been to their GP and talked about it or, you know, seen a doctor or seen a therapist, but this seems to work for them. And I think, you know, with his story, you can go through the whole of life without actually being physically challenged on who you are or what you do or what you say, you know. And I think what we do is we do strip things away. And I think his is an interesting story because I think sometimes you are born into um, a certain environment or a certain community and you become a victim of circumstance, you know, and he's a he's been through a lot and they've seen a lot of violence, but he's the most gentle guy I've met. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it was really quite bizarre trying to work him out because, you know, you, you, you talk to him and he is a very gentle soul, you know, and um, he's obviously come through this whole history of violence and aggression, but it's, you, you always wonder, you know, life could have taken a different turn for him. And yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's one of those things that you do see with, a lot of people, you just wonder if they were born in a different circumstance, what they would be doing, you know, and uh, it's he's a good example. Uh, but I think as well, what is so wonderful about life is that actually after doing something like SAS is you still have the opportunity to turn. You know, oh, your, your absolutely. life isn't one big, long, straight road. And, and taking a look in that mirror, as Jay put it, is an opportunity to, to maybe turn left or right and make some really difficult but important life-changing decisions after taking a long hard look at yourself um sandeep it's been wonderful as ever thank you very much for talking us through this week's episode and we'll give you uh, another week call next week thank you all right great talking to you andrew thank all you bye bye now my studio has suddenly become filled with people would you all like to introduce yourselves i will start to this handsome gentleman to my right so I'm Jay. I used to oh, be no, Jamie. not you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You're my favourite person in the world. Sorry, Jay. Carry Stand on. Stand by for a beast in. <laughs> After this. <laughs> oh, yes. It's Jay the Mole. Jay the Mole. Not this the Mole is, anymore. This is the only chance I'll ever get to take yeah. a mickey at you because it's safe. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't even expecting that. <laughs> Your favourite part I'm of the so nasty. Sorry. nasty. Nasty. And? Um, I'm Kirsty. I was recruit number 19, who fainted and then looked like I was momentarily possessed. But then luckily the goddess Jay brought me back round, ah. which was a relief. Now, Jay, this was the first time that the recruits had experienced you as a DS. Uh, they, the episode started with them being woken up after only half an hour's sleep. And I have to say, you were brutal. Was it a concerted effort to be extra, extra hard on them so there were no blurred lines in, in, in terms of I might have been your friend yesterday, but not now? Yeah, I think definitely. I think more so for me, just trying to separate the fact that I was um, a recruit and then now I was a DS. So I had to go hard on them just to kind of set that, set that tone and also let them know what my standards are as a DS and what I'm looking for. Yeah, Sam and I were, were talking just before you guys came in that in the sort of so-called normal world, you, you put up a certain front, you you know, people know you're the fun guy, you're the whatever girl, but when you take part in SAS, none of that matters. The, the mirror actually holds up an absolutely stripped bare who you really are and sometimes people don't like what they see. Mm, yeah, totally. You get to see exactly that person who they are stripped bare and, and that person will come out whether they're you know strong or weak or whatever yeah now Kirsty, was it a huge shock when jay was revealed as a mole did you suspect i did not suspect i was convinced for the How whole did you time not expect look at him because played it down he's an adonis <laughs> there was this one time when we were all kind of like fully in deep a deep sleep and i think it was ant wrapped on the door and jay by the way was the only guy that just stripped down to his boxer shorts to sleep every night <laughs> jay leapt out of bed and it must have been at least like six foot to the door and landed in front of Aunt Middleton in his boxer shorts, pink boxer shorts, yes. flexed oh, and ready pink. to go. They were red. They were pink. They were red. They were pink. Flexed and ready to go. And you bit. just think, that is not the behaviour of a DS, surely. <laughs> <laughs> like, That's the behaviour of Superman. <laughs> if he's going to be a mole, surely he's not going to be pulling stunts <laughs> like that. <laughs> I think I launched him, didn't I? You did. Yeah. And he just stared at you as if, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. I was half asleep though when it happened. I was, yeah, can't really remember it. <laughs> was there extra... Sorry, uh, Sam here, by the way, Jay. Uh, first of all, I love your beard. Um, second of all... I would just like to know whether it was the pressure on you to succeed 
Because obviously, whenever when when you're outed as the mole, everyone kind of looks back and goes, "Well, he did that well, or he didn't do that well." Did you kind of have to sort of almost step up a little bit more just to? So when I was a recruit, yeah, and I had to. D- oh, sorry, take it down, down didn't yeah, you? Actually, yeah, down, yeah, because uh, obviously I didn't want to get found out as the mole. You're so just saying that, aren't yeah, you? I had to blend in. No, I had to, um, which is quite hard anyway, because just because of our backgrounds and anyone who's naturally competitive doesn't want to not be competitive. So trying to not be competitive is quite difficult in itself. And I also also had to get the balance right of um, kind of not be too shit that when I come out as the DS, people are like... That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. That's the point. It's like you're almost feeling a little bit of pressure because it's like, oh, he's tossed. Yeah. I mean, Kirsty, I mean, did I do a good good job of that or...? Uh, the thing that you got to perfection was the fact that you just blended in with us. You were in there with the banter. You were down on our level. There was no sort of like air of arrogance about you at all. You were totally one of us. And like, it was literally like a massive slap in the face. And you hurt. Oh my God, it stung. Yeah. Comes, <laughs> came walking through the back. Actually, the funny thing is, is that um, I've got a little bit of face blindness. So I don't recognise people. So when you walk through the back doors, everyone gasped. And I was like, what's their problem? <laughs> and then I realised it was you. I was yeah. like, holy cow. Yeah, I mean, I think I've been a civilian for a year and a half now, so I can blend in with civilians. <laughs> civilian, I love it. Did it, did it hurt? Was it almost hard to receive commands from Jay after you've seen him in his pink, pink boxes? Red. Um because obviously he's now screaming at you and he's completely changed as a person in your eyes. We all had conversations about as soon as he came out, we just had the utmost respect for him. Like, there was no hard feelings whatsoever. We just thought, he is the bloody man, isn't he? Like, he is the man. Yep. Because he'd done it so well. None mm. of us suspected. It, he was he was brilliant at his job. The first time people have seen you in action as a DS was the tightrope. And I was watching the telly thinking, we, we've spoken about this, haven't we, Sam? He must be thinking, I cannot mess this up. Do not fall off because they are all, they're never going to forgive me for this. Is yeah. that what was going through your head? Yeah, I wasn't even thinking about the height or like the action of doing the, the regain. It was more just, I can't fuck this up in front of people. You were going slow, man. You were going yeah. real slow. And I was yeah, like, yeah. he is literally 110% concentrating right now. I was doing the thing where I was trying not to look too bad, yeah. but still trying to keep the speed up that I could like carry it out completely. You did look like action man. Like, it, just suddenly seeing you up there on the ropes, it was like, here he is, he's doing his stuff, and he's nailing it instantly. Was it quite nice not having to take part? Yeah, yeah, like, totally. Like uh, the, the six days that I did as a, a recruit, very hard days, difficult days. Um, so to then come out and be a DS was, yeah, brilliant. Hot showers, good food, oh. more chocolate bars than you can ever think of. <laughs> what, what? Okay, what, what's, what's harder, sleeping with the DS or sleeping with a recruit? Well, that's a good question. Who snores? Foxy snores, no! Ollie farts. Ollie farts! <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you about teamwork, because obviously that was one of the, the key reasons behind the stretcher task that you guys had to complete. Christy, you you got a bit of a bollocking for being too far away from your group. Yeah, well, it was really tough because um, my job was to follow the DSs and make sure that I knew the route we were going, but also to keep my team in sight. So as the DSs like disappeared like around the corner of a hill, I was like, well, what do I do? do do I follow them around the corner or do I go back and check the group can see me? And so there was a point when I couldn't see where the DSs were going and I couldn't see the group and I had no idea where I was meant to be. Like, whichever way I would have chosen, probably wrong in Aunt Middleton's eyes, but um, I think I chose the wrong thing. I think I chose to follow the DSs. I, and I, then... didn't, I didn't like the way you were getting screamed at, though, if I'm honest with you, because I think that... You, no, they, I didn't like that either. They've got to come at you with <laughs> constructive criticism, though, because it doesn't help anyone... Um, if, if they're just shouting at you because that just demoralises you and it causes rifts in the team. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's something that, that could have maybe gone a little bit better. Well, in can I team. ask a DS what the point is of, of screaming at them? Yeah, I think, you know, screaming at people just adds that little extra bit of pressure, um, you know, makes people crumble or, or, or shine. Um, you know, and I think each DS probably has his own way of doing things. So Ant probably wants you to get close together and all help each other as a team, whereas other DS might want to post you as a flank and, and be a kind of root spotter forward, making sure you know where the DS are going. In my head, I could just see me going back to the team and then having lost sight of the DS and having no idea where mm. to go. That was the fear that was in the back of my mind. I'm going to lose the DS. They're going to be like, where are we meant to go? And I would be... I don't know. Yeah, just totally stumped. Why, why did you end up carrying so much? I think that was because, like, in my head, when we'd done the log carry... 
I, I wasn't tall enough to put it on my shoulder. So they kept saying to me, come out of the log carry um, and just sort of like guide the way. So at that point, I started taking people's bags so that they would have less weight on them. So when I was leading the way um, for the stretcher carry, that's the exact same thing I did again. I was like, okay, I'll take people's bags, take the weight off of you guys, and you guys can just focus on carrying the stretcher. Didn't end very well, though, did it? No, no. no. <laughs> you keeled over next? in a fairly spectacular manner. <laughs> yes. Um, highly embarrassing. If you're going to keel over, don't do it on TV. Um, <laughs> oh, no, it wasn't embarrassing. It was You were put through a really difficult time. I could, feel it, I could feel it coming on. Like I was looking around me thinking, I actually cannot see the horizon anymore. This is not going to end well um but the thing is, is you don't actually know what you look like when you faint until you see it on tv and it's quite scary to watch back to be honest yeah Jay, what was it like when do you, you looked so i said this to um just earlier actually i was saying that we i think you are you handled the pressure so much <laughs> like she just fell over and you just didn't even bat an eyelid like for me I'd be like she's dead she's dead everyone oh my god this is it it's game over stop which filming. is why you're not a DS but exactly I know that <laughs> but I just thought it was like did you feel any sort of panic at all were you just like oh she just passed out nah because panicking is not going to solve anything is it no it's not Jay um, no it's not nah it's She's, she's blatantly just fainting, doesn't she? So it's, the main thing to do is just to try and bring her around and just reassure her that everything's good. And I think that's such a nice way to be. You're going to push them on. You're going to push them to the to the limit of their ability. But when, as soon as it gets a bit too much, you are there to extend a helping hand, which is really nice to see. Yeah, I think all the DS are the same. It's like there's, there's a time and a well, place for sure screaming and shouting, isn't there? It's like we impose mm. that stress on the recruits. But we also want to see them do well and we'll reward them when they... When they need rewarding um, but then you know when stuff like that happens there's no need to start screaming and shouting at Kirsty, is there well she can't hear you she's down place. <laughs> and Kirsty, can I ask you as well did you feel any sense of letting the side down when you fainted because Sam I know when you were in taking part in, in your your SAS uh, episode there were times when you felt that you'd really badly let the team down and that was what affected you how about mm. you Kirsty? Um the thing with the whole fainting episode is that after that I felt like really confused afterwards like I, I couldn't really feel my legs properly and I knew I had to keep walking so in the end they got um, Ellie and Carla to sort of like carry me in between them and at that point I just felt such a disappointment mm -hmm. like now my team's having to carry me um, and I think Mark went through this same thing and that's why he VW'd and it was in my head I should now have my arm banding because I'm in no fit state to finish the task. It's not fair that I'm just like impacting on the other guys. So why didn't you? I don't know. Selfishness. It's selfish, isn't it? No. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, at, that, at that point, I don't think it. I don't think it is selfish. I think uh, you would. You would. You knew you could carry on. You weren't letting them down that much. I mean, God, I've, I actually VW'd for the exact same reason. I didn't want to let the team down. Um, and, and I actually personally think that it's one of the biggest mental aspects i think that's one of the main reasons people will vw in the future as well because it's a horrible horrible feeling knowing that your team is suffering because of it's you hell yeah 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 you you just feel so disappointed in mm. yourself so disappointed you see you not vwing i would say is digging deep and and shows a, yeah, a strength of character yeah. and, and you absolutely nailed the abseiling you know an hour or so later would you say that that was a characteristic that you brought with you into sas or something that you found in yourself and have you used it since you've been back it is always my nature to just go ahead and do something whatever state i'm in um so it, whatever injury i pick up and i've got a race lined up i still always try and run it and end up injuring myself further mm. um and it's something my maybe husband, you should stop racing know, is what goes through my mind <laughs> my husband is always having a go at me for it and once i actually had the flu like 40 degrees temperature and i still ran a race um and ended up in the back of an ambulance at the end of it because i i'm just stupid that's the problem it's stupidity or stubborn stubborn I am stubborn. Which isn't necessarily a bad thing, I don't think. Also, Jay, when do you think it is right then for someone? Because you said you didn't think that she should have VW'd. But when it, there are certain times, aren't there, where if you're letting the team down or you are clearly the weak link, you think surely that they should be for the, for the sake of the team. Or do you not believe that? Yeah, at the detriment of the team. But yeah. that wasn't the detriment of the team. The whole point of that exercise yeah, yeah. was a Kazivak. So you, essentially, you have, you have to have a casualty. And all that we did was swap Kirsty with the other casualty. So the team doesn't, you know, suffer or fail in any way. Uh, like the exercise can still be carried on. Um, going back to your question, I guess, 
you know, that's the, that person's own personal decision whether he wants to VW because he feels like he's left the team down or not. Mm. People react differently, obviously, in, in stressful situations, which is a whole point of SAS. And we've talked about holding a mirror up and people not necessarily liking what they see. There are people who come on the programme who already have a really strong sense of identity as to who they are or what their character is. But sometimes you meet people who don't know who they are. And I felt that really strongly with James. He he said that he he felt that he didn't show any emotion. Actually, he was a really capable, sensitive man. An SAS with every single task that he was given, um, he was able to sort of raise his game to that. Is that something that that you've experienced before? Obviously, when you've been you know working with recruits or working working with people within the SAS. Um, yeah, I guess like everyone's from a different background when they when they come into the yeah. SAS, they join the military. Um, so yeah, you, you do experience that, and I think you know going into the military or going in the special forces and and you know going into essentially battle zones, people do grow up very quickly and they figure out very quickly who who they are. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't I didn't really get that with James though because I knew him as a recruit and then also knew him as a DS, and he's he's like a really like nice, fun person to be around, like comical like keeps the morale of the group up. Yeah. So I don't know, I was a bit confused when he said that he didn't kind of realise who he was or Yeah. Kirsty, I'm interested to to hear why why you decided to do it and the whole idea of knowing who you are before you go in. Would you say that you had a very clear idea and were you the same person when you came out? Yeah, I'd I'd say like me coming out was very different to other people coming out. I think when um I came out of the show, I was straight back <clears throat> to being at home straight back with two very very young children um, I've got a one-year-old and a three-year-old and it was straight back being into a mum so it was almost like that whole 10 days that I'd experienced was just like a dream well it changed me completely <laughs> <laughs> oh, you might as well call me Tom <laughs> it massively changed me Matt I think that you you'll know more than anyone that you go as you say when you're in like the in the line of fire and stuff. Not that I was in the line of fire, but well, I was in the line of fire of ants' verbal abuse. But it was it, it can definitely change you when you're come so out, uh, far out of your comfort zone. And then for me, more than anything else, it's just it's any mistake I made in terms of like if I'd get mouthy or anything like that. Teammates have suffered. It wouldn't be me. I don't mind suffering if I if I've like answered back or anything. That was never my problem. I can handle it. It's when it's when my my mates suffer, and that for me changed me massively when I came out because I was like, okay, I need to really sort of like take this on board and 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 take this on in life really. So it was the best thing I've like one of the best things I've ever done. But I'm not a mum, you see. <laughs> You're not a mum. Still mom, time. No. Still time. Still time. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? My who knows? whole like goal was literally just to blend in not do anything out of the ordinary. I like I massively wanted to take part in this challenge, but I did not want to be on TV. To the extent where like I nearly pulled out just before. No part of me wants to be on TV. I just wanted but the experience. Then no one would have seen you pass out. Yeah, I know this that would be great. <laughs> you would be a meme. In the first place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, stop by. I've never seen me staring into I'm your eyes. It's gonna be a Twitter meme. <laughs> no, not just that, you listening to her breath, mate. Yeah. It was it was romantic as hell. Yeah. I was checking you were still breathing. Yeah, of course you were, mate. Oh, Now, it is all well and good strapping a Bergen on and clambering up a mountain or across a ravine, but how about the problems that we face at home or work? How do our beloved DS face those? So, Jay, you know what is coming. It is time to answer some questions in Dear DS. Dear DS, I'm looking for a new flatmate. Uh, based on your experience in the DS cabin... What are the things to look out for? I would say lack of flatulence might be the first one. I'd say that's probably the first one. Second one, snoring. <laughs> Definitely. Another one is people that steal other people's socks. Oh, God. Oh, we have a lot of sock stealing yeah. going on. A lot of sock stealing. Yeah. But someone always steals socks. Really? Yeah, there's always a sock thief. All right, I've got another one here. Dear DS, what is a fear you thought you had and how did you get over it? Um... He's, he has um, no fear. For, for I hate these questions. He's staring just, around the room thinking, I'm not afraid of anything. Yeah. No, you but, fear probably the fact just, that we would resent you massively when you came out or did that not bother uh, you? No, he didn't Because no. I was yeah. like, uh, before going into the, the recruit thing, I was drinking red wine and eating steak with a DS. So but like, what I thought was out of all the DS... I was like mates with them. When you first start, like gave us that beasting, yeah. you didn't make eye contact with any of us. 
Yeah, it was a bit weird, wasn't it? No, because I like I was being me when I was uh, recruit, wasn't I? You're very like, eye contact when being, you recruit. But... Yeah, of course. But then, yeah, that's why I probably had to beast you so much because I had to just get <laughs> over the fact that I was a recruit mm. with you, and then now, now I'm a DS. Rip the band aid off almost. Yeah. Like Ant looks into your soul when he's having a go. I doesn't in he? your eyes. <laughs> you did actually. You wear contact lenses. I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> There's a lot of jogger pink What's underwear happening? and contact lenses. What happened? No, really yeah. the robot. You know what happens in that hut stays in the hut. Definitely not answering these questions, are we? <laughs> all right, I've got another one, but it's it's, it's all right. Okay. Uh, dear DS, other than rice and peas, what meals did you enjoy most when you were in service? Um, in service, I'm quite a boring eater. I probably just eat meat, some veg, and a bit of carbohydrate sauce. So. Um, I probably just ate that for the whole time that I was in service. You weren't a vegan then? Definitely not a vegan. <laughs> Enjoyed a ration pack now and then. I loved the food. Literally every meal. Like, I love salt. And every meal we got, we had, like, a whole canister of salt. So I was like, right, load it all up with salt, taste the dream. Who was it that was pouring the salt in the other night and the whole thing came off? I think it was Kirsty. Kirsty. Was yeah, it you? Was, you. was yeah. it me? Yeah, that I'm happened regularly, about though, that. didn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, excellent. Happened a lot. Mm. And, you, and that's right, and you said, I don't mind, I like salt. Oh, I yeah. love salt. Absolutely love it. The thing is, is I do have quite low blood pressure, so I that's why I passed out. Um, <laughs> so I have a lot of salt anyway, so it was just literally like, this is the best meal this in the world. Win- yeah. I, could, I did, I was watching, I thought, wow, she really looks on the bright side mm, no, I, I love salt that, I every that, single yeah. meal I was like delicious <laughs> yeah. yeah great I, I found Optimism. it funny I found it funny that at the start well not funny interesting at the start everyone's literally like oh yeah you have that food like no you have whatever you want blah, blah, blah. and then like three days in everyone's so hungry it's like no you get two scoops of beans <laughs> alright and it's just so funny how the dynamic changes as it goes on two scoops and give me my socks back yeah, well, <laughs> or I'm eating them well talking God, about yeah. socks actually as well did you guys ever have sort of like almost wrestles about who got to use the fire more because it's a tiny little fireplace in the room isn't it and then like no there were some people that were really scared to get in there and they would hang their socks right by the fire and their trousers and everything and they would get warm toasty clothes that was me and then us was it you was it actually yeah like first come first served you've got a doggy dog to take your wet clothes off and then that person gets to the fire why did you not share this with us I was probably the one that made the fire too Now it is time to grit our teeth and VW for another week. Huge thanks to my guest today, Sam, Kirsty, Jay and Dr. Sandeep. You can watch the next episode of SAS next Sunday on Channel 4 and on demand on all four. And Back to Base will be available straight after. I'll see you next week. Back to Base is hosted by me, Andrew McLean. Back to Base is a Little Dot Studios production for Channel 4, brought to you by Mitsubishi. The show is produced by Annie Hughes, Joe Greenway, Harold McShiel and Jake Cunningham. And the show is edited by Steph Watts and Mike Munzer. Listener.